Thank you, Jackie. We are looking at these words from 1 Corinthians, and our text is verse 25. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Congregation of Jesus Christ, I always like those wise sayings, if people too can come up with a, a wise saying. It makes a strong point, and it's, it's true and memorable. And so when we were together in Jasper with the pastors, we had a conference a few weeks ago, and then Dr. Lee McDowell, she came leading the conference, and she shared with us some uh, insights into uh, thinking about ministry itself and, and more generally life itself. And I'd just like to share a few of those with you, some of the wise sayings she shared. First of all, the first one, what others think of you is none of your business. That's pretty good, because sometimes in ministry too, as pastors, we, uh, we get caught up in that too. What are they thinking and what? And then eventually you're stuck, right? And the point is what God thinks of you is first seek to be faithful. So what others think of you, to let that go a little bit. The second one, what, mess- what kind of message do you send others? And this again in ministry, but all of us. You are loved or you are loved when you do this or that. You say, well, love, love isn't dependent on what you do specifically. God loves us unconditionally. True love is unconditional. So just a wise way of expressing. And then she threw this out for us. Number three, what am I doing when I feel most alive, most totally and completely alive? And I think, yeah, that's, that's a very wise question. That's very striking, too, in terms of, yeah, and, and where is your life? And your life is in God. And so, so to come back to that center... So a very wise question, the challenge also. I challenge you, challenged us. It was good. She shared some other nuggets of wise insights from others. Richard Rohr, we cannot think our way into a new way of living. We must live our way into a new way of thinking. Okay, I'm thinking about that. Right. But it's true, isn't it, that if you... Yeah, I think I'm going to start uh, exercising a little more. I think it's good. I think it'll be helpful. I really think it'll be great. But nothing changes <laughs> unless I actually do something. Unless I actually maybe get out there and maybe do a little something. And then my thinking starts to change too. Hey, this is really great. And you're on your way. So there is a real truth there. St. John of the Cross said, To come to know what you do not know, you must go by a way that you do not know. He was one of the desert fathers. They were very wise. They separated themselves. And his, his, the truth is that if you keep doing the same thing, the same thing the same way, you say, oh, I know this, I'll do this, it's not going to change. If you're trying to find something you do not know, you will have to go a way that you do not know. You will have to step out, and step out, especially in faith. 
And then, of course, he shared with us a very common uh, quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, when Christ calls a person, he bids him come and die, which is to say, it's not my life, but Christ living in me. And so these, these senses, too, of, of uh, a saying, wise, striking, insightful, faithful, Beautiful things. It's good to meditate on wisdom literature. Wise sayings of those who have had experience, who have gained insight, who have lived a range of life maybe broader than ours, who have worked through things deeper than we have worked through so that we must pause and say, okay, wait a minute, I just think this has to be it and it's the only way. So, you know, Pause, wait, there are actually others who know more than I do, who looked into things more deeply than I have. And that's where the area of wisdom comes in, being teachable and yet coming back to truth, timeless wisdom. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 11 says, The words of the wise are like goads. They, they get us going a little bit. Say, hey, I never thought of it that way. Hey, this is really true. And they're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails. And so wisdom, looking at wisdom, is of great value. There was wisdom literature already in the ancient times. In Egypt and Mesopotamia, the science uh, and archaeology has found many examples. And there are even some texts that express wise sayings of the sages, of wise men of ancient times. There's some suggestion that as, as Israel was in Egypt in the Old Testament book of Exodus that they also encountered some of that wisdom tradition. And there is suggestion too that that maybe influenced them and maybe it did a little bit. Wisdom, insights, seeking to understand life and the world was always of importance. We are going in the evening services uh, through the summer to be looking at wisdom and especially at the book of Proverbs where we have that source of wisdom, wisdom collected, wisdom expressed, refined and deep, much more so than the general culture for it focuses on God's will, the fear of the Lord, the beginning of wisdom. And so... We are going to seek to, to just enter more fully into that and be encouraged by that and grow in our faith and in wisdom by God's word in the book of Proverbs. The Bible has an actual separate class of books. Books are classified in different ways. And one of the classifications is literature, the may, or wisdom literature. The main book is Proverbs, but we'll be, we'll be touching too on books like Ecclesiastes, which is part of the writings of Solomon, we understand, and comes with that sense of understanding the meaning of life. And so that reality too, the purpose that we have. And so that comes back through Proverbs at times. Job is also the wisdom of God when we struggle, when we suffer. And so it says in the book of Proverbs, when you struggle, look to the Lord. And, and Job brings that as well very strongly and so we will also it ties in in that way 
We'll also look at the Song of Songs. The Song of Songs is actually a wisdom book. We need a lot of wisdom in the area of our emotions, of sexuality, of intimacy. And so the Song of Songs gives wisdom there. The book of Proverbs itself speaks often about being pure, being right before God. And so that will tie in as well. The two key points in the Song of Songs are do not awaken love before its time, and the second point, I and my beloved, um, I am my beloved's and he is mine, the sense of commitment. And those two things too, that, that, that love is a serious thing. You don't just go from one to the other. You don't awaken it before it's time and you enter in in a committed relationship. And the final wisdom book you might not have recognized initially, but two, on the handout, the book of James. James is a wisdom book, wisdom giving instruction on how to live in the church, how to bring things uh, forward as uh, taming the tongue, it mentions, caring for the orphan and widow, uh, paying the wages of the poor. Very practical, very helpful, very insightful. Even faith without works is dead, the sense of, too, that we have to live into our belief with energy, with action. So that whole area of wisdom coming together in the book of Proverbs. The central book of, of wisdom is Proverbs, and Solomon is the one who wrote that book. We have... Uh, reference to that in the letter of Kings, uh, the book of First Kings. Solomon asked for wisdom. How did he get it? He asked for it. It came from God. 1 Kings 3 verse 9, Solomon's prayer, as God said, I will give you what you ask. And he humbly asked, give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. So that's, that's the whole context. So we know that the author of the, the Proverbs was asking God for that wisdom and guided in writing this by God. And in fact, 1 Kings immediately also adds how that, that was recognized, confirmed. And it's a little longer quote. I'd like to read it for you, though. 1 Kings 4, 29 and following. God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the men of the east, greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. So that is looking back to the wisdom writers in Egypt. He was greater than that. He was wiser than any other man, including Ethan the Ezraite. Ooh, Ethan the Ezraite. He was pretty smart. Solomon was greater. We have no record of Ethan the Ezraite, but we can be absolutely sure he was an amazingly insightful person. Solomon was greater. Mentions a few others. Wiser than Heman, Calcol, and Darda, the sons of Mahol. This is, this is like uh, Stephen Hawking. This is, this is just the main brilliant people of the day. Einstein, all of that. These folks were amazing. Solomon recognized far greater and his fame spread to all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs numbered 1,005. He described plant life from the cedar of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of walls. He also taught about animals and birds. I like that. He taught about the birds. 
reptiles and fish. So he studied everything. Men of all nations came to listen to Solomon's wisdom, sent, all, sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. So this is the author of the book of Proverbs. So as we enter into it, we say too, yes, definitely. God provides us with insight and wisdom. Now Solomon isn't the only one who wrote in the book of Proverbs. There are sayings from several others called sayings of the wise, Proverbs 22 and 24, and of Agur, Proverbs 30, and of King Lemuel, recognized as gifted, godly, insightful, wise. Wisdom was written down so people would come to know and remember. It says in 1 Kings 4, verse 32, that Solomon wrote 3,000 Proverbs. It was during the time of his reign, which was a very peaceful time, and so he was able to do that, reflect on things and write and compile deep insights. In the book of Proverbs, there are not 3,000 Proverbs. There are several hundred. So what happened? We read in Proverbs 25, verse 1, these are more Proverbs of Solomon copied by the men of, king, of Hezekiah, king of Judah. So the understanding is that during the reign of Hezekiah, which was well after Solomon, still the writings of Solomon were there, but the men of King Hezekiah collected, inspired by the Spirit, this work of the Proverbs. And so not all the Proverbs are included of Solomon, and so that's why there are less. There is in all of them the central theme, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Repeat it often as a key element. So that, that focus on who God is and how God desires us to live is the center of wisdom and it's applied to money, to sex, to power, to family and friends, career, success, aging and conflict. And, and we are going to look at those things, the wisdom of God as it guides us in these areas of our living. Just a couple things that Proverbs are not. Proverbs are not prophecy or promises. For example, Proverbs 10, 27. The fear of the Lord adds length to life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. So the wicked die young, and the godly die old. So what is that? A prophecy? Is that a promise? We recognize that in the Proverbs, they're not prophecies, they're not promises. But they are stating a truth that we can definitely see, a general truth, though there are accept exceptions. There is a sense of living wisely before God, which is a blessed way to live. And those who, who get caught up in a lot of things, ungodly things, unhealthy things, unnatural things, will cut their life short. And so in general, absolutely. Do some godly people die young? Yes. Some do. Do some wicked people live a long time? Yes, they do. 
So a proverb isn't, oh, it's not true. You say, look it, there's exceptions. You know, it is true. As a proverb, it is true, it's wise, it's in its understanding. And as we receive it, we understand it as a clear truth. But there are some exceptions. And it's wise in a fallen world, a sinful world, to recognize that. Godly wisdom, recognizing too that God is at work and that the general truth are definitely worked out. But the proverb itself, it's not just automatic, black and white. The next thing too, Proverbs wisdom is not just intelligence and knowledge. So there is a sense too of, of wisdom is not knowing, knowing lots and lots, just facts and details and trivia. That wisdom is bringing the knowledge we have into the context of understanding by faith. And so we have wisdom even if we might not know all the details of every situation, not all of the things that go on in every way, but we have good understanding as we look to the Lord. And Job 28 talks about that. It says in verse 23, God understands the way to it, that's wisdom, and he alone knows where it dwells. So as we look to God, we can come to a place of wisdom even when we don't know all the details. We can be confident in God. And he said to the man, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. That's where we start. So this is the focus of also our reading this evening as we looked for, as we read from 1 Corinthians 1, there is that sense of needing wisdom that comes from God. In a world where sin can be defined, sin is foolishness, godliness is wisdom. And so, God, who is all wise, the wisdom of God expressed here in 1 Corinthians 1, verses 21 to 24, and, and you have to realize, as 1 Corinthians is speaking about wisdom, this is much later than Solomon, many, many centuries later, but, but which culture was known for wisdom? Well, that was the Greek culture. And this is Corinth, which is in Greece. And it was... Just that sense, even when Paul uh, went to Athens and saw all those gods and spoke to all the learned people there. And so Corinth had that same sense. We Greeks know everything. We are the wisest of everyone. And so when it says in our text too, where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher? It's thinking specifically about the philosophers of that age, and you know their names, even as I do. We didn't know the names of Ethan the Ezraite and Heman and Kalkal, the sons of Malha. Who are they? But if I ask you for a Greek philosopher, can you tell me one? There he is. Aristotle. Exactly. We know them. Plato, Aristotle, key figures still in studying of philosophy. And Aristotle studied all the plants and birds and everything else. And his is the tradition of studying and organizing. He was brilliant. And he was right there in Greece. He was known at the time. So, yeah, and Plato with the 
what, what is this natural world and the spiritual world and, and all the, the, the forms up there are made clear down here and he had it all laid out and he knew, he knew everything. If you asked him, he would tell you. Any medical people here? Our medical folks? Michelle, do you have to take the Hippocratic Oath? The hypocritical oath? Who is that? Hippocrates. Have you heard of the Hippocratic Oath? That's the medical oath. The honor and save lives. Respect. That's a Greek medical person. Hippocrates. Still today, the wisdom, the insight of that culture is, is central to us. If I said Socrates, what is he known for? You know? Yes. Arguing back and forth. Thanks. Yeah. He had a way of, of arguing. And then he would ask questions, right? And he'd ask another question, another question. And pretty soon the person he was arguing with was so confused and uh, it was amazing. Who is this guy? This is one of the philosophers of the age. Where are they? They're there. And as this letter comes to the church in Corinth, they say, oh, yeah, there's all these wise people around. That reality is, is front and center, and in our culture, too, we have very much a sense of, of this is a, as a, I mean, our culture, our culture now, today, even in the last 30 years, unbelievable what we know and what we can do. Yeah, space travel and technology and everything. And so, who is the wisest around ever? Who is knowing everything? Steve Jobs. Brilliant. Who is the, 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 yeah. And in our culture, you might say too, it's foolishness. Foolishness to believe in God. The Greeks, it was even a little easier still to believe in God because they had gods. But in our day, it's, it's even less. And if you say you believe in God, you are so foolish. And so that reality of, of why study Proverbs and why study the Bible, and it's foolish because look what we have. Look what we know. Look what we can do. Heart transplants and all kinds of things. We are wiser than anything and anyone ever was and yet, really, really we are so lost in our culture without that central assurance of, yeah, why are we here and who are we really, even with all of our technology? And so the word of God comes even as it came to the Corinthians saying too, without God, without God at the center, you are foolish. And though, though we might feel at times too our faith, our holding to Christ, our holding to the cross and the gospel seems foolish in this culture. What seems foolish and weak, verse 27, what seems lowly and easily despised, verse 28, is in fact the power and wisdom of God. And so we'll have that text before us, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 25. This, this gospel, this truth of God, the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. And we feel that in this culture. We feel too. 
What can we say? How can we answer questions and things? But let me tell you, the truth is, and our witness continues, there is nothing better. There is nothing greater in this world. Nothing makes more sense than when you know Jesus as your Savior. And that is the point of the wisdom of God, and we'll come back to that too. Verse 24, Christ is the power of God, the wisdom of God. He's my Lord and Savior. And to make that declaration today is not foolishness. That is the true wisdom where we can stand. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do want to lift up your name in this time, in this culture, and we see the tremendous advances as an aspect of your blessing, and we pray that we would be worthy of them and use those advances to uh, care for people and to do what is right. We pray too, especially when the threat is there, to deny your wisdom at the center, our hope in you as God and our faith in you, Lord Jesus, that you would give us too just that confidence of faith in our heart, that truth assured again this day and every day that you are the living Lord and Savior, the one who forgives our sins, the one who gives us purpose in our work, in our living each day. Lord, we thank you that we can put our hope, our trust in you and make us too a continued clear witness of your love. In Jesus' name, amen.